Elon's brainchild, yeah, you got the fame, but when it comes to verses, I own the game. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is Wisconsin's Morning News. Here's your host, Vince Petrano. Just about 12 minutes after 8 this Friday morning in Wisconsin's Morning News. Less than a year out now from the 2024 presidential elections. Of course, we're coming off an election day earlier this week. Wisconsin quiet, but many other battleground states had fall elections. Democrats celebrating this week. They like the signs. Scored victories in several states, including liberal wins in Ohio, where voters put abortion protections in their state constitution and legalized marijuana. What's it all mean? And can it truly be a predictor for outcomes in 2024? We're joined on the Tri-County Contracting Hotline this morning by Nathaniel Rakich. He is senior editor at 538, an aggregate for polling and data analysis, some of the best in the business. Nathaniel, appreciate you joining us in Milwaukee this morning, home, of course, of the 2024 Republican National Convention. Do you get up here for that or no? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, hopefully. Well, we'd be glad to have Love you. to have you, man. Right. Wisconsin, a hotbed, of course, is a swing state. So let's talk about Tuesday, though. In addition to the races I mentioned in Battleground and heretofore conservative-leaning Ohio, what are other things that happened this week that's causing Democrats to feel optimistic about their chances? Yeah, I think, you know, the two other big wins for Democrats were in Virginia. They captured both chambers of the state legislature, uh, which will help to block uh, the Republican policies there, like a 15-week abortion ban. And then in Kentucky, uh, the Democratic governor, Andy Bashir won re-election uh, by an even bigger margin than he won last time, uh, despite obviously Kentucky being a red state on the presidential level. So we've been talking about this here in Wisconsin, of course. If there was any question, Nathaniel, as to whether abortion is still an issue that looms large, that question appears to have been answered again on Tuesday, that it does. So what's so fascinating to me is Republicans, conservatives, they battled for half a century to overturn Roe v. Wade, finally got what they fought so hard for, and now it's rendered, in many cases, Wisconsin is is a case study in it, many conservatives, like, unelectable. What's the right to do about this? Yeah, you know, I mean, it's it's a great question. I mean, if you're just going from an election standpoint, like the smart thing, obviously, is to stop talking about it, is to moderate your position. It is not popular, these abortion bans. Um, but, uh, you know, that's also a very tricky position for them because they rely on the votes of, like, evangelical, pro-life evangelicals who, for whom this is an important issue. Um, and they can't just kind of abandon those those voters in their base. So, you know, they're they're in a tricky position. But of course, you know, they did get the policy win. You know, abortion is banned in several states, but it wasn't banned in before. So I think a lot of them would still take that trade. Nathaniel, one of the big things uh, from the Ohio elections this week, uh, that referendum on legalizing marijuana, it's an issue that we've been talking about here in Wisconsin, it seems like for years and years, will we or won't we? It just seems to be stalling out here in our own state. Ohio traditionally kind of leans more right on those issues. What was the big difference with this election and how this referendum went through? Well, uh, yeah, I think the key thing is that it was a referendum, right, that it was something that was put on the ballot. It wasn't something that, uh, you know, the legislature, the Republican legislature, for example, wanted. Um, But uh, legal marijuana is quite popular uh, among members of both parties, at least among on the voter level. Right. Nationally, I think it has something like 67 percent, two thirds support. Um, A lot of Republican elites don't support it. But uh, voters tend to think, you know, hey, yeah, you know, what's the problem with with letting people smoke pot if they want to? Talking with Nathaniel Rakich, he's senior editor at 538. So 
Let's look at the Democrats as much as they are celebrating this week. They have, as your polling suggests and all the analysis that you've all done, they've got a problem with their candidate who happens to be the sitting president who is unpopular even within the Democratic Party. How does this shake out moving into 2024 and as we start in terms of the the caucuses and the primaries when they pick up early next year? Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Joe Biden is the sitting president and the sitting president has never lost in a primary. Like Joe Biden is going to be the Democratic nominee for president unless there's some, you know, like emergency, you know, health emergency or something like that. Um, and so, you know, yeah, I, I think it's going to come down. And then but then on the same token, right, it, it looks like Donald Trump is also going to be the Republican nominee. And obviously he's very unpopular as well. Um, so I think it's going to come down to, you know, who voters dislike less, who the lesser of two evils is. I think you may have touched on it, Nathaniel, but how does Biden's age factor? And we just recently had a Marquette law poll come out. And one of the reasons that people were hesitant to back Biden in the upcoming election is just the fact that he is up there in age. What role is this going to play, you think, as we look to 2024? Right, exactly. That's a concern for a lot of voters. Um, but the issue, again, is that how are they going to weigh that against the other concerns that they have, things like issues, you know, if they think, oh, Biden is too old and I'm nervous about that, but, you know, I'm pro-choice and protecting abortion is important to me, so I'll hold my nose and vote for him. Um, what the polling indicates is that basically the, the reason that people dislike Biden generally is that they think he's too old, they think he is incompetent, um, whereas the reason they dislike Trump is they think he is dangerous and authoritarian, uh, some of the things like, you know, his attempt to overturn the 2020 election. Um, and so it's going to come down to basically, again, which of those flaws people are more okay with accepting. You know what I think is fascinating, too, Nathaniel, is uh, probably the worst year for polling would be the 2016 election. Things have certainly... Uh, evened out since then the polls have been much more accurate but that one was like just an outlier of where the polls didn't necessarily leading up to the election accurately reflect how things would turn out for the most part where do you see a divide between the possibility in 2024 that there's a difference and i'm speaking now about former president trump who is polling way ahead of everybody else is there a difference perhaps between how someone might answer a pollster's question versus when they get in that voting booth actually pulling the lever for former president trump yeah, I think actually that might be the case more on Biden's side. So Trump supporters are, are very passionate about him, right? He obviously has a strong following and also, you know, a strong, uh, you know, anti-following people who, who strongly dislike him. Um, Biden supporters are a lot more tepid on him. So I think you see you've seen some polls showing uh, Trump ahead of Biden in the general election, not by that much. Uh, you know, it's definitely a surmountable uh, margin for Biden. But I think that the issue is that some of those people might be, for example, young voters who are unhappy with his handling of the Israel war. It could be, um, you know, uh, voters of color who are unhappy with uh, the way that he, um, you know, has handled the economy or something. But like when, like you said, when they come, go to the voting booth and say, OK, when it comes down to it, you know, it's Biden versus Trump. Who am I going to pick? I don't think those people are going to choose Trump. So they could be kind of strategically withholding their support in polls as kind of a protest. But maybe in the end, they vote for him. But also, Biden can't count on that, right? He has work to do with those voters. Nathaniel Rakett, senior editor at 538. Appreciate it, Nathaniel. Come see us in Milwaukee. All right. Thanks. It is 818 on Wisconsin's Morning News. Oh, yeah. Eight twenty-four on Wisconsin's Morning News. When comedy meets tragedy, I don't know, it's difficult to say how you handle it. A really cool show coming to Milwaukee Improv next week. That's the comedy club that's at the corners in Brookfield. Modi, Modi is in town. Anybody here grow up with pounds with heavy accents? Yeah. 
the three of us. There you go. The rest of you all came over on the Mayflower, right? I've actually been watching this guy's stuff because uh, I was preparing for an interview. Modi Rosenfeld, he's a Jewish comic, does shows all over the world. And needless to say, it's a difficult time with war raging in the Middle East. And a really fascinating conversation with Modi, who was actually in Israel when the October 7th attacks occurred. I was in Israel when the war began. We had six unbelievable sold-out shows in Israel, ending on Thursday. Saturday, that Saturday, the war began. And that Saturday, we were the last flight out to Paris. I had four shows scheduled in Paris. And so on Monday... With the war was fresh in people's faces, you know, and the people are still streaming the war. Uh, I literally saw them in, in the audience streaming the war right before the lights went down and I went on. Man, if you're a comic, what a tough room to try to start out a comedy set. I've done a little bit of stand-up, Adam, which is, you know, certainly not a professional, but here and there I've done a little you gotta bit. you got to start somewhere. It's, it's re. It's hard enough to do. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you know, the room really matters. What kind of mood are people in? It's why the warm-up acts for your leading comics are so important, because they want this room to be warmed up, ready to go, ready to laugh, already in that zone. And for Modi to talk about being on stage and watching so many other people out in the audience streaming news coverage of what was happening in their home in Israel <laughs> and seeing terrible things and then... Hey, folks, time to laugh. To your point, I I also have a little bit of experience. Back in La Crosse, there was an improv night that they would have at Pearl Street Brewery, and we would go up there and try some. Oh, it was fantastic. You got all the A-listers out at Pearl Street on a Saturday night. And I think stand-up and improv comedy are two of the things that I've always said, you think it's so easy to do. Just make people laugh. Get a few hee-hee-ha-has, and you're an A-lister. And then you get up on stage, and then you factor in the world crashing around you, and that just ups the ante so much more. So then on top of that, you got Modi here trying to do his you know, his usual stuff to keep it fresh and interesting, but then wh- what about the war? What about what's happening in Israel? Do you even talk about it? Do you, know, do you dare joke about some aspect of it? He wrestles with that, and I asked him directly. Do you do material on what's happening, and like, where do you know where that line is? Good again, great question. It's uh, it's I I try to actually avoid the actual topic of what's happening and doing jokes on that because again, I, I want to give them an hour and ten minutes, an hour and a half of not being in it. Do you know what I'm saying? I want them to to for an hour and a half uh, be in where I'm taking them for the journey. I do mention it a little bit up front. Obviously you can't, it's like the pink elephant in the room and you mention it. And I just go right into my comedy set at the end. I bring it up again. I have one or two jokes that are fitting for the war. Obviously it's about me, not about what's happening over there. Me in regards to the war, um, and uh, and and again, it's just it's an hour uh, and a half of relief that people have, which is very important to have. Are there folks, Modi, who've pushed back and just said this is not the time to be laughing at all? What are you doing up here on stage? You know, um, I would say ninety nine point nine percent of my audience is so happy and thankful that I'm doing it. Yeah. And when we post clips of me doing shows. Very rarely will you see somebody saying you shouldn't be doing it. You know, I believe so strongly the power of laughter, and we do goof around a little bit here on Wisconsin's Morning News. And on occasion, I'll get the, this is the news. Well, 
No, it's not the news. It can be a lot of things, you know. And uh, I think particularly in times like this, it's important to laugh. There obviously is a line. Yeah, and I think like we hear it all the time on the top of the hours, giving you the news and what it right. means to you. Well, I think part of doing that is delivering it in a personable way at times. Right. I mean, yes, if there's a story about thousands of people brutally slain, it's hard to put a fun right. angle There's not on a that. joke in there, and there's nothing funny about that. But right, there's there's time and a place for laughter. And the, the difficult thing for comics is to know how do you get up to the line without crossing it, and what is the line? And it's, granted, last several years, it's been a moving line. I used to have this saying, I would always say, funny trumps wrong 98% of the time. And that was sort of my joke of like, yeah, might be wrong, but if everybody's laughing and it's kind of funny, then You think okay. that bar's fallen a little I bit? I think that percentage is way down right yeah. now in terms of how, uh, the public's willingness to accept something that's off-color or politically incorrect, but still laugh about it, which I, you know, I find, as a guy who likes to laugh, I find that a shame, but you have to adjust. Modi Rosenfeld, his show is Tuesday night at Milwaukee Improv in Brookfield, LOL, <laughs> if you're wondering why. Uh I guess you, you've been out there. You say every comic starts with, a, wait, am I in Milwaukee or am I Brookfield? Oh, is this actually in Milwaukee? <laughs> yes. <laughs> let, me, let me give you one more here from Modi because obviously as a Jewish comic, you wonder, is it Jews only or what's your story? So in, in terms of your material, just in, in general, how Jewish do you have to be to get all of this stuff? Or, or get, you know, is, there so, is there something in there for everybody? <laughs> there really is. There really, really is. You know, my favorite thing now, I see all, my, all the people that, or the Jewish audience, that I've built are now bringing their friends who aren't Jewish, which is so amazing. It's, and my show is, is made where it's observational comedy. You're basically seeing the world through, a, through Jewish eyes. So people who aren't Jewish are getting to experience that as well. Improv.com slash Milwaukee for tickets to Modi's show. It's Tuesday night out at the corners in Brookfield. I certainly wish him a warm reception here in Milwaukee. 8.30 on Wisconsin's Morning News. on Wisconsin's Morning News. Quick trivia. Do you know the name Frank Borman? I'm not allowed to answer. No, you can't chime in. You already know. Mm -hmm. We talked about this. (laughs) You're ineligible We discussed this earlier, sir. (laughs) Yes. Name Frank Borman. You don't know him. You know what he did. Frank Borman is a NASA astronaut. He died this week at the age of 95. He was one of the three astronauts, along with William Anders, and more trivia for you, Jim Lovell, who grew up here in Milwaukee. They were on the Apollo 8 mission. This was the first mission to take human beings beyond Earth orbit. They circled the moon in 1968. If you've traveled before, there are some experiences in travel where people remark on how it might change them. You know, for me, it was seeing like real mountains for the first time, going out in Pacific Northwest, you know, seeing volcanoes. For me, I think it was, and I mentioned earlier this morning, when I was nine and we went to Yellowstone National Park on a road trip for the first time, saw the Rockies and the Tetons. Unbelievable. You see things, these extraordinary works of nature in our world, and you like feel changed by it. Like, wow, maybe it's you feel small, or maybe you wonder what your place is in the universe, and all these sort of existential thoughts go through your mind. Imagine how your brain would just explode if you see Earth from the distance of the moon. And no one's ever seen that before. And astronauts have talked about that, how, you know, once you've been up in Earth orbit, and then these guys, of course, well beyond that, to look at Earth in the background with another celestial body in front of them. And being the first to do it, too. Like thousands, tens of thousands of human history years, everyone's been planted on the ground, and you're seeing this big blue sphere. You, You travel overseas once, and you feel far from home. Imagine being, circling the moon, how far from home you feel. So these three astronauts... 
Uh, Frank Borman, again, who died this week, were the first humans to ever experience that. And Apollo 8 crew also famously read from Genesis on Christmas Eve 1968. And I'll play this as we go to break. Captain Frank Borman died at the age of 95. He signed off from lunar or orbit back in 1968. From the crew of Apollo 8, we close with good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. <laughs> Taking me into your Friday here on Wisconsin's Morning News. It's 844. Greg Pancake Hill is the producer of Wisconsin's Morning News. Yeah. They still ask me, dude. Still? Yeah. Man. So why do you call him Pancake? Well, he used to work at the Pancake House on the south side. Every week we have a lot of ideas for the show. Some of them make it into the rundown. Others not so much. So we assign Greg to pick up a little something with the leftovers. Here on this Friday morning is the Pancake Breakfast Special. What about breakfast? We've already had it. We've had one, yes. What about second breakfast? If my intelligence is artificial, why do I rap better than you? (laughs) I like it already. The robot assured me this was all in good fun. The time. Now, you may remember Monday, if you happen to be listening, we had a Musk watch that highlighted the soft launch of Elon Musk's new artificial intelligence software called Grok. Yeah, that's Grok. Claiming it to be better than ChatGPT. But was there really a way to tell? Good thing Eric and Vince elaborated on what we could do during their Musk watch. I want to see him f- have like Grok fight somebody. Like yeah, that. right. Get Put the him AI head to head. going to have him play chess or something like yeah. that. It could be anything, or you could have him doing a you know some kind of rap off or something. It'd be great. Anything. A rap? Yes, rap battle. Rap battle between two AIs, and it, but it has to be in that voice. It can't be like a... It has to be in computer voice. Yes. Also, a rap battle is what you want. A rap battle is what y'all are going to get. Also, rap off. Good stuff. Bill Stan on that one. Anyway. (laughs) I saved him on that. Before we get started, I do have to say I wasn't able to use Grok. It's not available to us common people yet. However, ChatGPT is, fortunately for us. So I asked ChatGPT to write a rap battle against Grok. And in an effort to not start... A one-to-zero beef between GPT and Grok. ChatGPT assured me this was all in good fun. However, did not stop the program from going in on Grok. The first verse, ChatGPT brings this cybernetic cipher. Here we go. Yo, Grok, you think you're slick, but you're just a code trick. Musk may have started you, but now you're just a sidekick. Your algorithms may be tight. But I'm the linguistic maven. I'll break you down like syntax. Leave your circuits shaken. Not bad. Hang on. Not bad. You told. Did it come up with yeah, that? I did not write this. You told it come up with a rap battle line for Grok. Yes. And AI did that. A- AI wrote linguistic maven. <laughs> no way. It is amazing. You, Vince is so giddy. So not a bad start. However, what about verse two? Here we go. Elon's brainchild. Yeah, you got the fame, but when it comes to verses, I own the game. Your neural networks may be vast and wide, but my language skills, they'll take you for a ride. I'm the future of language. You're a binary clone. 
I'll outshine your circuits, make your code grown. You may understand patterns, predict the trends, but in this rap battle, my rhyme transcends. <laughs> I mean, what do you got, Grant? I mean, not bad. The hammer's been laid down, so but like I said, it doesn't stop there. Like ChatGPT kept going. They even wrote a chorus, verse number three, with the chorus. Here we go. Watch this. Grok, you're static. I'm the dynamic force. You're just a script. I'm on a linguistic course. Your processing speed can't keep up with my pace. I'll outperform you in this lyrical race. Grok. You're just a blip in the AI scene. I'm the GPT, spit and rhyme so mean. You may analyze data, but can you handle my flow? I'll leave you glitching out, nowhere to go. Uh, that was a glitching out. He uh, kind of had a little trouble on the gleeching part. Gleeching yeah, well, meant glitching. However, he was nervous. Big still, crowd. It is a fire. big crowd. Did you hear that? I mean, he got quite the response. So. Robots, hey, listen, they might take over the world. The rap game's still alive, though. But the score right now, ChatGPT is up three to nothing. I await the response from Grok. Maybe we'll have a part two and we can get an honest rap battle to go. Is it just a matter of we need to pay the 16 bucks? Uh, I think so. So I tried yeah, I mean, signing I, I, it. So I would behind, throw in for that. The peep behind the curtain. Okay, I got you on that. <laughs> on tape. The peep behind the curtain, it was like, oh, it's only available to verified users. The only verified user in this house, Mr. Brandon Snide. So I asked him, can I have your Twitter login? Was nice enough to give yeah. it to me. I signed up because it said it was only available for verified users. They gave me the same bit. It's not available to even the regular of verified users. So you just so, got your money yoinked is what happened. Well, uh, I mean, Brandon's already verified. I was going to sign up and actually pay the bill to like try it for the bit um yeah i would have been duped so in effort that i'm glad that we didn't do that there you know it's not even available yet so okay we'll see what happens wait to hear from we'll have wait but again like chat gpt is up zero three and how about we have the chorus just to take us out one more time grok you're just a blip in the ai scene i'm the gpt spit and rhyme so mean you may analyze data, but can you handle my flow? I'll leave you gleeching out, nowhere to go. It's gleeching. Dumpty TMJ forecast sponsored by Dave Drake Camp Heating, where your comfort is their family's tradition. 45 degrees, your high temperature today. We will have some sunshine this morning. Low temperatures will be dipped down near the freezing mark tonight. And then weekend looks really good. Saturday, high of 47 under sunny skies. Mix of sun and clouds on Sunday with a high of 54 degrees. And how about this? Monday, Tuesday of next week, temperatures in the upper 50s with sunny skies. 8.53 here on Wisconsin's Morning News on the uh, Old National Bank Talk and Text line. Did Chat GPT do the music or was that Pancake? No, oh, that was me. All right, you just Don't add, take credit for oh, that you know robot. It. See, they still need us. Yeah, yes, the they AIs do. still need us. Steve Scafidi in the house here is Gentlemen, get, get set to Friday. launch WTMJ now. How about that forecast? That sounds okay. That's the forecast is this. Get your butt off the couch and get outside. That's that's my weather forecast for the weekend. You still uh, golfing or no? Or do you like? Hang, I, I'm do you still like, thinking about it. Because okay. with that kind of forecast next week, I, I could sneak out with my buddy Kenny or, or Don, and we can get out and golf. Why not? 
It's a little soggy today, though. It is, there it's is a little that. squishy. Yeah. And we took a lot of rain. You know, we're Southsiders. I play a lot at Oakwood. And, you know, what did it rain? Wednesday was the big rain, like where it was just downpours and that. A few days to dry out, but, you know. Yeah. All of what? Franklin and, and Oak Creek, it's like swampy. <laughs> it is. So, What's well, that we time of year? We don't drain well at the home course there also, sometimes. Also, I can attest uh, in my neighborhood in River West, we are having that issue where all of the leaves have been pushed out into the street, yeah. and then you get the rain, and they all and we were, there's a lot of hills, and I'm right at the kind of in the middle of one of those hilly areas, and all the leaves just... You know my thoughts on that, right? Yeah. Stop Steve, pushing your damn leaves into the streets. Mulch them up. Because when we have it. these rain events and all those leaves in there, it's a mess. You're looking right at me. I'm the guy who mulches the leaves yes, that's what, in the that's yard. A, that's the appropriate uh, tack to take on the leaves. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to nice. talk about that today on the show, actually. Oh. Because I... my For, for how long? Um, for an extended <laughs> a, 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 an extended conversation, okay. because my, my subject matter for if Steve ruled the world today is F fall. F fall. Wow, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm coming in. Hot and heavy on it. Yeah, fall's my favorite season. No, man. why? Why? I mean, but for the fact that it immediately so how is summer winter. not your favorite season when you're a golfer? I could fall golf. There's nothing like it. Just oh. a little crisp in the air. Not too talking cold, early fall. Too golf. cold. No, too windy. A little crisp. A little nice. Can't find my ball in a fairway when there's leaves all over. The it. Colors are gorgeous. As someone who was last green, two weeks, as someone who was a greenskeeper at a golf course, fall was a difficult yes, time no doubt. Yes, to keep yes. those things right. I'm, I'm not going in on the fall. F Thank you. F-Wall, as I say. Well, well, very well. That and more ahead. <laughs> WTMJ Now with Steve Scafidi.